Welcome back to the FTW Ranch podcast. I have Ryan from Leica here with me today. Like all the best companies in the industry, they bring their stuff to the FTW Ranch too. So we got to peek under their glass and squeeze their turrets this week. Brian is somewhat new to the company, but had a big influence on a shift in their focus from strictly the European market to include more of the demands of the American hunter. Don't forget, like and subscribe. Do your own research. This is just a podcast and the opinions of the two people talking. We've got a Patreon if you want to donate to us, and thank you for listening. Ryan, it's been a pleasure getting to meet you this week. Thank you for for coming out here. Tell me a little bit about what you're doing here. Well, FTW Ranch has always been a super special place. It's just, for Leica, it's the best place to go to put our stuff to use and test it out. I mean, nothing's perfect, and we want to bring it out to these kind of places and use it. And the next best thing is to bring dealers out. Guys and gals within the company and dealers, they get here. It's a very personal experience. They get to use our stuff to the fullest I mean, this is a place where gear goes to die. You can beat things <laughs> to death here. And if it can survive, you know, a few days here, shooting this many rounds, bouncing around in the Jeeps, you know it's good. So I just love it. You know, I've been part of this place for a long time, and I just I look forward to it every single time. Nice. How many times have you been out here? Oh, I was trying to think of that today, and it's got to be 14, 15, 16. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's why I don't get diplomas at the end anymore because I'm just like don't don't do it. I just like a print in the paper. Yeah, I, like I, I just want the picture. I've covered a wall. I'm good yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Has it always been with Leica? Nope. Uh, background before that. Before I worked for Leica, I worked for Swarovski, and same kind of drill. We did a lot of very similar. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's where I learned it. Basically, came here with a lot of dealers and just product launches and that kind of stuff. So when I came on with Leica. I proposed to everybody like let's go utilize the same kind of drill. It's just too good, sure. too good of an opportunity. And Tim and Doug, you know, they've put together such a good program. Um, it's awesome. And now to see, you know, a lot of new instructors. I mean, I've now I think I've been with about everybody. Yeah. This is the first time you and I've got to do something together. It was it was perfect. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. So what were some of the equipment that you guys brought in to look at? Starting with the rifle scopes, we have a first focal plane rifle scope called the PRS. Five okay. to thirty, really in that top end category, you know, for the PRS shooters, long range shooters, hunters. It's a great scope. It's our first first focal plane mill mill scope. It's awesome. So we had that on half the guns, and then we have our Amplis line on the rest of the guns, the other half. And this time we had three to eighteens by forty four on on the rest. That's a minute scope, second focal plane scope. So that was the scope line. That was the scope drill. So we're shooting minutes and mills, first and second focal plane give guys the opportunity to really see both the big hit is our new geovid pro line um so that's a binocular with a rangefinder and obviously built-in applied ballistics bluetooth your phone easy to set up gun profile with the full applied ballistics library and then you can actually um you know increase and decrease your wind within the bino or the app you don't need your app all the time and there's a really cool functionality that you can actually drop a pin to anything you range so if you range something at 2,000 yards, you can actually drop that pin exactly where you ranged. So that helps you to navigate, locate targets, or downed animals. Or you know, I, I use it a lot for safety. Um, I'm hunting with somebody. I'm like, we're going to that meadow. Both of us ping it. We both have you know, a, a pin in the same spot. Okay, let's meet there. So it's a, that's a really cool feature on the pro line. And then I brought a little bit of everything else, you know, ultra vids and 1556s and a lot of different things. But those are really the core products we wanted to 
play with. Wow. Yeah. I want to rewind that all the way back to the PRS scope. Um, What did you do different with that scope to make it PRS specific? You know, PRS, I don't really like the name because it, it lends itself just to the competition circuit, but it really stands for precision rifle scope. But it's over 32 mils of elevation, rev indicator, you know, great zero stop, toolless zeroing. It's got a built-in Allen wrench on the side to set your zero stop. Thicker sidewalls. It's, I think, probably the most thick sidewalls of any scope we've tested. Really? It's on par with anything that I've seen with our competition. Super durable. All metal in internals. No, no plastic whatsoever. So, and then... A very, very good, well-thought-out um, reticle for competition. We have three reticles, a 4A, obviously, and then we have a ballistic reticle, more of a hunting style, and then a PRB. And that's, you know, pretty advanced Christmas tree type reticle designed yeah. for that competition shooter. Yeah. And it's, like I said, I think it's really well-thought-out. I love it. I was real impressed. I got down on, I think it was Sloan's Rifle. Uh, from WTO, and he had that on there. And initially, I thought it had a dot in the center of the reticle, and then I cranked it up to 30, and that dot expanded out to an empty circle. Right. What we found, first reaction typically is like, oh, I want a dot. And I said, well, shoot it first and see. What I've found it does is it draws your eye to the center of your target Mm. instead of the edge. With a dot, I feel like you're always looking edge and edge, left edge, right edge, top and bottom. With the open circle, you you your eyes draw right to your focal point, your aiming point, even a little bit more than just a regular dot. Yeah. What's the size of the circle? Do you know uh, off your it's head? A, it's point one. Point one. Yeah. Point oh. one mils. I thought that was super cool. You brought up the optical prescription for contrast. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. Every company that builds their own optics. And even companies that buy their own optics, they really kind of have to decide what what do we want to see? What do we want to highlight? One of the really cool things about Leica is I think over the over the entire spectrum of light, we have about the best um, natural neutral image that you see across all. There's a lot of binoculars that really highlights yellows, really highlights greens. Ours is a very what you see is what you get. But the big thing is, is it's built for contrast. So blacks are black, gray is gray, colors are colors, which really is emphasized early in the morning, late at night. There's an old German saying that all cats are gray at night because the twilight hours, everything kind of turns gray and it's mm. hard to see. That's really, really where our, you know, our binoculars and scopes shine. Things still stay black. You can still see color. You contrast is there so you can start to pick out exactly what you're looking at. Wow. And y'all do that with the coatings that you yep. put on lenses? Yeah, the coatings are the special sauce. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, everybody can grind a pretty good piece of glass, but yeah. then, you know, it's 100 years of figuring out, you know, the 47 layers of coatings. And the, and the order of operations, what I've found is is just as important. Like if you put this coating on before this coating or this one before this one, it's a really, really, you know, complicated process. And I've toured the factory a number of times. It's the only place they won't let me take my camera. Like the coatings room, no when you kidding. walk into there, it's like, hey, 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 put your phones away. You can see it, but that's about it. It's, it's. I think it's like, you know, yeah. It's, Spread your cheeks. Yeah. Give us a cough. You're not going in the coating room. I'm like, look, bro, I don't get argon. You know, I'm like, yeah. But they won't, they won't any pictures. I'm like, okay, whatever. I work for the company, but yeah. yeah. I was enjoying your class that uh, you gave the first night y'all came in. I, I got 
to learn a lot about what y'all were we're having and I wrote down a bunch of notes here that I wanted to ask you about and uh, a big part of them was the dry film that y'all have yeah and that's some kind of a lubricant that you guys use yeah we don't use any grease lubricant so long 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 time ago we used, we invented a dry film a dry lube that you can get it hotter and it get it colder and still have working parts which is really cool okay. and when it, you know other optics, when they get really hot, the grease will start actually like dripping out and can land on optical, you know, you know, properties and right on the surfaces. But with our dry film, we don't get that. And one really cool thing that happened is it was the only binocular because of this that got launched into space. The Apollo mission actually took our Trinavid based on that, you know, no grease yeah. in zero gravity, couldn't float, it couldn't, it would wreck the binocular in zero gravity. So they actually took a Trinavid to space on the Apollo mission. That's cool. Yeah, and to this day, I think it, yeah, we just heard because it was 50-year anniversary a couple years ago on the Apollo mission. It's still, to this day, it's the only binocular ever allowed into space. That's cool. Yeah. What the hell are they looking at? Yeah. I think they're like, <laughs> I think, they're like, I, think I can see my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. We actually got an email from one of the Apollo astronauts that used it. Mm-hmm. And what they did, it was the first mission around the moon. So it was an early Apollo mission when they actually went close to the moon and around it, and they needed to look out the window to really start taking some good pictures and look for landing sites. Okay. And so they needed it. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's an awesome thing to the only company to have done that. Yeah. That's really cool, yeah. Yeah. What kind of torture testing do you guys do? In the factory, um, there's some pretty cool videos, but we do a little bit of everything. A lot of salt spray, a lot of humidity, a lot of temperature, and then a lot of, uh, you know, submersible, so everything's waterproof, like down to a certain you know, certain depth, five meters. So, and it's kind of cool because if you can go five meters, it actually, you know, then you can go higher in altitude. So at 18,000 feet, you won't lose gas inside. So we do a lot of that stuff, a lot of shock tests, like the equivalent of, uh, I think it's 21 meter drops onto a hard surface, which is a lot. And you don't think it's that much until you start dropping a bino from one meter 20 times. Things, yeah. things happen. It so, takes a beating, yeah. Yeah, and that's standard for every product that goes comes through the factory. We just do a lot of testing. That's awesome. Yeah. What is Leica's legacy? We're over 100 years old. Ernest Lights, long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. And he was a, they were doing cameras, and he was a bird watcher, and he was a hunter. And he loved to hunt. And so he started making the first, you know, binos for Leica. Back then it was called lights. And mm. you still see some lights binocular. And then it turned into Leica. But we've been building binoculars and camera equipment for over 100 years. In fact, Leica invented the 35 millimeter camera. Really? Yeah. So not only that do we specialize in sport optics, our cameras are the best of the best. So we've been doing, we've figured out how to build lenses and coatings for over 100 years. So it's just not sport optics. Yeah, yeah. I think Ferdinand uh, was talking about that on the drive-in this after, or this evening, uh, about the cameras and some yep. of the, the, I guess, like you said, the coatings. That's really, because the glass is kind of glass, but right. some of those coatings and the things that you guys have, there was something he was talking about that I think um, China had tried to copy, and it was it was showing more light than it was bringing in. There was some kind of it's like a ten thousand dollar lens that right. y'all have some kind of crazy. Is that is that for is that for is a camera lens? Yeah, the technology, the coding. See, 
when you pass light through a piece of glass, you always lose a certain percentage. Right. You can minimize it with coatings right. and the amount of coatings and certain coatings. They're all every lens is designed differently, every optical surface. But we've designed some lenses for cameras that are like you're losing so little light that it's almost indetectable. We don't use a ton of that in the binocular world because we could, but that would make that binocular $10,000. Right. No I mean, like crazy that. expensive. <laughs> Somebody was trying to talk him into doing it. He's like, yeah. you should just make it. Right. And like maybe only 100 people buy it, but yeah. it'd be cool as shit. It'll be... A, <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> like, if I had a nickel for every time somebody's like, hey, here's what you should build. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, it's awesome. But the 100 guys who would make it or buy it wouldn't justify the R&D and the cost of production. Right. And, right. you know, we're, we're still in, you know, two facilities, one in Germany and one in Portugal, hand making everything from every little part to the end. So wow. we go down a road that we're like, all right, we're going to build this. It's a big investment. You know, we don't go to a giant factory in, you know, other parts of the world and say, okay, build us this, you know? So it's definitely different. We, we operate very differently. We take what we have very seriously because it's a big investment. Absolutely. Yeah. How much money would it cost to just simply change the the production line on something? Usually it's something astronomical. Oh, right? millions like, of dollars. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's cool is we come here with, like on this trip, Ferdinand mm-hmm. and Matthias, two project, you know, product managers from Germany are here. And it's, you know, hunting there is very different. Very different. Yeah. European hunting is vastly different. They come here and they're like, whoa. You know, in two hours, we had them at 700 yards. Yeah. You know, obviously that's extended range for hunting, but shooting plates, you know, we we stretched it out to a mile. They get to see what they're building and how it affects the North American market. And I think one big thing that everybody's seen the last three or four years from Leica is we've really changed our product line to cater to the North American market. Mm. Everything from scopes and binoculars is starting to go, okay, this is the biggest market in the world by far. Sure. Now let's make products designed specifically for the hunters of North America. Nice. Yeah. What got Leica on that pathway? Uh, it's been a, I mean, I don't know. It's obviously I've been here for about four years and I remember one of the really cool things, like the second week I was hired, I got to go to Germany and I had a meeting with like the CEO of Leica camera over everything. And there was a lot of hard questions asked, and I was very blunt in what I felt like we needed to do. And, you know, it's just kind of a new mental reset. And we have a new CEO in the U.S. that looks over our company. Um, They brought three or four new people in. I think it was just a paradigm shift saying, hey, if we're going to survive and we're going to thrive and keep up with the Joneses, we have to switch and it's just been a slow process, but we're doing well. And I think I hear it every day. People are like, I just cannot believe how much Leica has changed for the better. Customer service, product lines, warranty, everything that we've identified early on that we needed to change, we're trying to do. There's some specific requests that you're that are different between the European and American markets no. in, in the scopes, right? In Germany, I mean, a 4A, German 4A reticle. Mm-hmm. That's what they use. That's really? just what they use. Okay. They use a lot of, you know, they hunt a lot at night. So 56 millimeter uh, binoculars, big, heavy binoculars, they're not used to carrying. They don't need to. They're walking very short distances, and it's always in an elevated blind for, like, fallow deer, or it's a driven boar hunt or stag. But your short distances, I mean, a 300-yard shot in Germany is almost unheard of. 
Yeah, he was telling me earlier that it's hard for them to shoot at any range right. because of the war going on in Ukraine. The right. military's taken over everything. And so as a civilian, they can't even find places to go shoot. Yeah. And that's kind of crazy to think about here. <laughs> yeah. And they come to this ranch and we shoot, you know, 2,500 rounds at yeah. ammo in two days. They're like, this is awesome. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. walk out the front door, pick a range, yeah. you know. I remember three years ago, you know, I shot 10,000 rounds in a year. You know, come came here a few times and some matches and stuff like that. And I went over to Germany and they're like, you did what? And like all the people in the company probably haven't shot 10,000 rounds. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. But it's getting them here is important and they see it. I mean, even today, just looking at our GeoVid Pro's angle compensation at distance, inputting wind, reading wind, you know, that's when, you know, the light bulb goes off and like, ooh, okay, we need to implement this. Yeah. And that it's what it takes. Yeah, it is. It's getting them out there and having them use the equipment and like, oh, this this could be better. Right. Or, or now I understand it. <laughs> right. Like we've been building it for years. I've never used one. And you guys as instructors, I mean, you guys' background, you use everything. Sure. And that's it's actually a pretty cool thing that you guys are fairly gear neutral. Yeah. Because you can give us great feedback. You're like, hey, this loophole does this better than you. We're like, okay, all right, sounds good. Or this, you know, such and such does better than this. Or yours excels at this. Yeah. So we like we take that back. I mean, I think there's a few products, especially like our scope products that I I had some hands in helping design. Yeah. That came directly from being here. Like, okay, this scope does this really well. Let's implement that into our next stuff. That was something that Sloan had mentioned to me. Uh, we were talking on the range this morning, and they were carrying some other brand products, and and they they have started looking at Leica. They're like, man, they listen. They listen to what it is we're asking for, and they're making yeah. they're making the changes. And what more can you ask for as a consumer? You know, we you still get the name, you know, here and there. You get the emails, and we try, but we've we're trying harder. Sure. I mean, every single day, you know, every one of us. We're a small team. Where I mean, we're you know, in the sport optics side, we're we're sub ten. Yeah. And but we've challenged every single person within our group to listen better, do more. You know, don't let a customer's feedback go to waste answer every email, try to answer every call. Yeah, we're not perfect. And I mean, I still, I, today I got an email like, hey man, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I'm like, I know, I know. But I go, I spend a lot of time online, you know, in forums. Hey, people have questions. Uh, you know, I in the past, like I would never do this. I'm like, hey, I'm here. Here's my personal cell phone. Call me anytime. Here's my email, bro. Yeah. And it, it's going a long ways. I've got a lot of compliments about our team now it's also kind of a, a pointless battle to even expect to win because yeah. it's unwinnable right yeah. you're not going to get the whole world to agree yeah. on the same favorite color right <laughs> like yeah and so it, think of all the applications for shooting and you can come up with a reticle that would be better for one reason or another for each different application and then everyone's going to have an opinion on what they like the american consumer loves to justify what they bought oh for sure they walk out and they spend thousand dollars on whatever hell yeah and they're going to talk it because they need to justify it in their head and you know like the internet is a perfect place to justify anything there like, at least if they're going to convince their wife of why they absolutely. bought it <laughs> this is the best because it and the end of the day it's because i own it whatever yeah but yeah. and you know people want to feel part of something We've been a legacy brand, so we're really trying to push that at home. Like, hey, you know, we've been around for a long time. We do this really well. Our glass is exceptional. You know, be part of the Leica family. Don't be afraid of it. I mean, and and it's amazing. You know, the tides, you know, really changing. We've had the three, four best years in company history, the last four. Wow. So, yeah. 
No kidding. Yeah. So it's been awesome. Do you think that's changes you've made or growth in the market no. that have just boosted sales? What do you, what is what do you think that is? I think it's undeniable that you know during COVID days the market was just up sure. and we thrived. But I think you know one year isn't a trend, two years isn't a really trend, but four years just up and up and up and up and up. Even last year, post COVID, a lot of companies were down. And we had our best year. Wow. You know, we I think it's just we're changing, we're turning the tide. People are realizing. Hey, they've changed. They're awesome. Their warranty's phenomenal. But a good warranty is one that you're not going to use. So we started looking at the numbers of what we were doing, what we were spending on repairs, right? Mm-hmm. And people mailing it in, this broke, this didn't break, this and we were like, look, we could offer a 10-year unconditional warranty. Whatever happens, happens. We'll fix it or replace it for free. And then 30 years in the optical system, we won't spend any more money. Because if it breaks, it usually breaks right away. Something's sure. wrong. And so we would cover that anyway. So we went, hey, this is the best warranty in the premium segment. Let's go 10 years unconditional. Yeah. No matter what happens, happens. And people really resonate with, with that. I mean, there's so little, so many warranties out there that they say this. But if you start reading the fine print, lifetime. Well, what's really the lifetime? Is it five years? Is it 10 years? But we just say 10 years. And then 30 years after that on the optical system. And that's just a function of... You can't keep parts on on hand for fifty years. Yeah, you, you quit just, making a model of scope. What right, do you do? Right, right? totally. Right, and so and people still complain. Well, you should just offer it for lifetime. I'm like, guys, that's just impractical. As a company, you can't keep this one particular screw on the shelf for fifty years, wondering if it's going to break after thirty years. It's run its course. We'll replace it with something. And we'll do something. But yeah, I'm happy where we're at with our warranty. It's been really well received. And yet a lot of people still don't even believe it. They're like, really? When did this happen? I'm like, eh, it's been about two years. And they're like, oh, well, mine's never broke, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm sure that helps a lot. 2023proseries.takesover.com. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> our pro, our Geovid Pro took over from the 3200.com. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah we had me. a model of binocular called the .coms. It was the, really the first Bluetooth range-finding bino okay. that you could get your dope from a phone. So quite a few years ago, we first came out with a, a range-finding bino called the HDB. It actually took a microchip inside. It was the first one. So you'd load your ballistics on a microchip, and you put it inside the Like bino. an SD card? Yeah, micro SD. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And then the internal atmospherics binocular, so they have a, a, you know, a barometer and a thermometer in, built in. It figures out density altitude, and it would adjust your your ballistics on the fly but it was for one ballistic right calculation so then we came out with what we called the dot coms 3200.com odd name i know um but it it didn't ring real well but (laughs) that was the first bluetooth version so it bluetoothed your phone to an app and you could set everything in the app and then it would bluetooth back to the binocular and then the internal ballistics or an internal atmospherics in the binocular would take over and adjust things since then we decided, hey, we're not really great at building software. Our app was, I'll be honest, it was horrible. It oh, was really? so hard to navigate. It was complicated. Yeah. It just didn't, it was just tough. People complained about it. And so we went to the leader. We went to Applied Ballistics and said, hey, partner up with us, build us an app, build what we need. And they said, sure. And so now the Pro Series is based on a new app, the Leica Ballistics app that AB themselves wrote. And they're wow. our partners. And so, you know, most people were like, there's no way a European company's ever going to partner with an American company, especially like that. And we took everybody by surprise. I mean, 
I know our big competitors are like, no way did that just happen. And so, yeah, we're, we're fully immersed in the applied ballistics world. So the new app is the whole AB library. The interface is easy to use. It's just simple. It's straightforward, easy to have, you know, multitudes of, uh, you know, gun profiles. Just, it's great. I'm really pleased with the new pros. Really? Yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm excited to see uh, where this where it goes and what y'all keep doing. I mean, obviously, I kind of know the roadmap of things down the road. Anything you can share? No, not <laughs> no. Yeah. Had to ask. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, you're going to see some, you know, I think we're pretty set well in the binocular world. Instead of coming out with a new model now, we can do everything app-based. So when somebody gets a pro, it's I think it's going to be a long, long-term. And anything we change or do or upgrade will be just simple as firmware updates, stuff like that, functionality. Uh, we're, we've got new products in the scope line and other lines that, that people are really going to be taking. Yeah, there's some cool stuff that coming down the pipe. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to y'all bringing it out and showing it to us. Oh, we'll be here. We'll, <laughs> we'll have another beer and we'll have it, do this again. Nice. Thanks again. Thanks. Appreciate it.